0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Man, you bless me, team, up there. You know, I like like songs, but I like some songs really well. Some just sing along the best I can, but anyway... Now I want you to turn with me, I think, here to Hebrews. Hebrews, I can get a slow start here, but we'll gain momentum as we go. And we got plenty of time today. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Morgan, for your help today, as always. Let's go over here to uh, Hebrews 10, as I think's what I told you. And uh I'm gonna share some interesting things today I think will be a blessing to you uh, about faith. Uh, Jordan, uh, he asked me yesterday, Dad, do you think you can take the service? I sure. I'm in season, I'm ready. You don't have to call me twice. And I'm not bragging, but if you don't got nothing, you just need to sit and listen. But you know, when you prepare yourself like we do every day of our life, because we're carriers of that anointing. I am and you should be. You should say that I'm a carrier of the anointing. Yes. Thank you, I got three people. You should say I'm a carrier of the anointing. One, two, three, go. I'm a carrier of the anointing. When I say you should say, you should pick it up.
1: Yes, sir. Okay. Yes.
0: Now I'm not Jordan. So I may not be as quite as nice as he is. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to help you and feed you. But everybody has to learn how to walk by faith. And I learned that early on. It's not because I know a few scriptures. Yes, sir. You can know some script. you can know more than me in the scriptures and still be a failure because you don't act on anything, you don't move on anything, you don't believe anything, you don't say anything. And that's why your life stays the same. I didn't say I was gonna be sweet, I'm just trying to talk to you though. And I'm talking to me too, hallelujah. You know, not everything in the Bible is equal. I don't know who told you that but that is not true. I can't read Leviticus and get out of what I can get out of Ephesians. Honey, you you just lost the ship right then. You just went down burning. You cannot get that. It's not in there. You are a new covenant believer. I don't know. I'm going to tell you this until I go home to be with the Lord which may outlast all of you for this group here. I don't know. Uh, That you have to learn what faith is and you have to learn to keep it over in the new covenant. And you can read the Old Testament. I may have some scriptures today in the Old Testament. I I don't remember if I do or not. I don't think I do. But you could take those things and rightly divide them, bring them through Calvary. See, and this is where people get bogged down. They get in some Old Testament revelation, which is inferior, it's sub level. They never take anything through the cross or give right. Jesus any real credit. they say, I'm going to heaven. Well, yeah. big deal. Right. What are you gonna do in the earth? Right. Right. I mean, heaven's a big deal, but buddy, he, God did not come to take you to heaven. He came not put heaven in you right now in yeah. the earth. Yeah. You talk about old covenant, I can take you to Deuteronomy eleven twenty one and show you we're in that covenant, which was ultra least than what we have, yeah. that he said, you can have days of heaven on the earth, not when you get to heaven. You can have the days of heaven on the earth if you keep my commandments, walk in my ways, listen to me, hear my voice. See, it isn't always just reading the scriptures, but it's hearing his voice. People make disastrous decisions because they read a scripture, but they never listened. And even if it's not spelled out in plain English, the revelation of faith will come to you if you're serious about it, and God will speak to you about it. If it's a, let me say it this way, if it's important to you, it's important to Him. All right, all right. Let's see where are we at. Hebrews ten. Let's look up here. Um, we're talking about faith, and I'm going to talk in particular today about the law of faith in just a minute. That it's a law. But let's read this here first in, in uh, Hebrews ten thirty eight. And this, this scripture is mentioned several times in the Bible, even once in the Old Testament. But it says, now the just, didn't I say verse 38? Now the just, when? Now. Yeah. Now the just or the righteous, that would be a better translation, the born again people. Right. Let's say that. Because you go to church and not be born again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to let
0: you in because you said I went to church on the rock. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't have that much pull. and it's anti-scriptural now the just shall live by faith so God's expecting us not just to live in emergency settings in our faith you know I try to be as polite as I can be but sometimes I just got to tell it like I've seen it for 45 years August will be 45 years of ministry and I know what I'm talking about and some people never pray in tongues unless their kid gets hurt and they're on their way to the emergency room Honey, let's crank it up. And guess what that does? Nothing. That's emergency tongues. You might get by for a while in that if you're a baby, a baby Christian. But if you've had a Bible for 10 years and you haven't done anything with it, you you ought to just ask the doctor to pray for you. He may have more faith than you. I don't
1: know.
0: I'm just being real with you here. We've got to learn some things. But this is what I'm trying to say to you. You have to live by your faith. I, I, let me say something else here since I'm just talking here, but I'm talking the truth. You ought to always have a faith project. I shouldn't even have to, to bring that up. Well, I do have a project. Well, you could have 10 projects if you have faith. Sometimes I got, sev- I got several projects all at one time. I'm not bragging on me. I get, couldn't do that when I started but I didn't stay where I started. And I didn't let the church talk me out of it. Every church I pastored, they tried to talk me out of my faith. Not a lot of people, but some some people that don't think right. And it didn't bother me at all when they left.
1: Because
0: we're looking to help people that want help and will learn from us and pay attention. Here's something else you have to realize about faith. If you don't get around somebody that knows what faith is, I don't mean can just teach a lesson, but walks by faith, you're never going to get it either. You have to be around people that know what faith is and how it works and how to get through a trial. Faith is not just to birth you into utopia. It's to make you have joy even in the midst of a trial. Well, what's the difference? Are you going to have trials if we don't believe? Absolutely. you Are going to have trials if you do believe? Absolutely. But you're not going to get through anything without faith. And get through it well. You're going to come out all beat up. See, faith is to give us the victory. Not just make us feel good about ourselves. You know, faith was given to us by God as a gift. But we can grow our faith. All right, now let's watch this next phrase here. Let me read it again, verse 38. Now the just or the righteous or the believer, let's just put that in there, that's scriptural, shall live by his or her faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word. Faith in the God who made us. Faith in the word, but you have to have faith in him. All right. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Of course, you trust in his word. That's what you use to base your faith on. But you have to trust him. He knows what he's doing. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, uh uh-oh, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We know the next chapter says, you know, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. But this gives us another preview of this, that God says if we draw back from faith... I've had people say this to me, and I'm going to tell you what they said. I know all that faith stuff, and I never saw an ounce of victory in them the whole 10 years they were with me. You didn't know faith stuff. You just thought you knew faith stuff. People of real faith have victory. You're not going to be a champion since by Thursday. I've been in this a long time. I've tried to ride every wave and do what I'm supposed to do. and. And sometimes I fail, but God picked me up because he still loved me. He didn't, he didn't berate me because I didn't do everything exactly right. I'll have a good amen right there. You've got to be willing to take it. God's not hurting you. He's helping you. If he deals with you in correction, he's helping you. Same for kids, you know, in the natural, in your family. If you don't deal with them about things, they'll just be a jerk. When it'd be an adult jerk. Okay, thank you so much for. I'm feeling the warmth here from somebody, one person maybe. <clears throat> now the just shall live by faith, but if any person draws back from faith, my soul, God's soul, will have no pleasure in him. I don't want God to look at me and go, "Man, I'm displeased with you," because you drew back. You got to the place where you thought you knew it, and you haven't uh, continued to pursue me. Remember what I prayed earlier? If you're seeking God, I can help you today. If you're hungry for God, we can help you today. If you just want to come to church, go sit in the car if you want. I don't care. I want to help you if you listen. We are not of them who draw back. Now this gets serious. Unto perdition. That's a, that's a religious word. The word is destruction in the Greek New Testament. But we are not of them who draw back unto destruction. So when I draw back from faith, And I don't want to hear people talk about faith anymore. Then I am wanting to be destroyed. There's other things that could destroy you too, but having no faith will not help you at all. (laughs) You don't have anything to hold on to. We are not of them who draw back. Let's say that. I am not of those those who draw back back from faith. faith. I'm I'm hungry. I want to know more about faith. It's important to me. Even if I don't understand Dr. Jacobs today, it's still important to me. (laughs) Yeah. We are not of them who draw back unto destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I'm going to say one comment, and then I'm moving on here. The soul is not your spirit. You know, Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. But if you stay in faith long enough, and you can only stay in faith by knowing the word... And what, what, I like this Bible, where renewing your mind, right. you will save your soul. Yes. I have an article in my Bible. I'm not going to read it. They did a survey on people who prayed in tongues in England, and people who don't pray in tongues, they sang a good gospel song but didn't pray in tongues. prayed in English, didn't pray in tongues. The people who prayed in tongues were more mentally fit than everybody else, and were more stable. And yet that's the thing, if you tell them you go to church on a rock, they know we're Pentecostal, oh, you guys speak in tongues. They don't say anything about our faith right then, or the fact you got healed here, or anything else that's really favorable. They want to argue with us about, if you don't want to speak in tongues, don't speak in tongues, but you're not going to get as far as those of us who do. And it's not like I paid God to get it. I just kept seeking God until I found it. And I realized when I found it, that's him. It's a good workout here. Anyway, we want to remember this. It's going to save your soul, your mind. You, you mentally. And I'm telling you, there is such an onslaught on the minds of people in this planet right now. I mean, pandemic's just one issue. From my perspective as a prophet, it's just one issue, out of about a hundred. <laughs> yeah, my opinion. But it's all geared to get you rattled. To get you around, so, so listen, you're going to have to get in your Bible and stay in your Bible. It isn't like you have to have a library like I do. I don't have to have my library, mainly just my Bible and the dictionary, maybe or something, but I do have one because I bought books along the way and I shredded a whole lot of them. My books wobble in the bookshelf, being <laughs> afraid I'm going to find unbelief in them.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll shred that puppy in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway all right let's go over here to Romans chapter 3 so we're supposed to be living by faith living by faith living my life by faith it doesn't mean I'm perfect it doesn't mean you're perfect it just means I'm attempting to live by my faith and doing what I know to do about it you have to feed your faith hallelujah Now, it's interesting here, when I was in a different denomination, when I thought about Romans 3, I thought about the one scripture, you know, we've all sinned. But when I got to reading the third chapter of Romans, I found out it's all about our redemption. Or being redeemed. or The word saved, I like the word saved better than redemption, but redemption is a great word. It means delivered. What are you delivered from? Everything. Everything that would hurt you. You're delivered from the curse. And what is the curse? All the bad stuff. Mental problems, children problems, marital problems, financial problems, body problems. Everything. So let's, let's pick it up here. Let me see where I want to pick it up at. Let's, let me read a little bit of a length of a passage, uh, verse uh, 24, starting there. Romans three twenty-four: being justified, that's uh, righteous, being made righteous freely. He didn't earn it by his grace through the redemption, the deliverance, the freedom that comes in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Uh, he became uh, a mercy seat for us through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just, he might be righteous himself, and the justifier. This is Jesus, the justifier of me and you, which believeth in Jesus. Yes. I didn't get a different kind of righteousness than him. I got the same one. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know. I've heard people teach this. Kind of funny. You know. Wonder what number I am, since he was the firstborn. The Bible teaches we're all firstborn. But yeah. wow. awesome. so whatever he gets, we get. Not because we want it, but he's so generous. Think about that. Everything Jesus has is yours right now. You just have to understand your position and take it. Receive it. How can I receive it? Well, you're not going to receive it without knowing the Bible because you don't know what what to receive. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. They're all yes to us, but they're not all received by us. We receive them as we gain knowledge of them and walk in it. I didn't know nothing about healing, deliverance, the gifts of the Spirit. I just got saved because I was dying. Wow. I, was a, I was a drug addict. I just about took, I mean, I did die once, six, seven months, well, in the summer of 71. Left my body, went to the ceiling. He put my spirit back in my body. I was still a drug addict after that. I went to California, got saved in a tenement house, in a bathroom. And when I got saved, I just knew I needed a Savior. I know nothing about being healed. See, my church didn't teach that where I grew up. You don't get what you're not taught. Nobody nobody does that. I think it was Brother Copeland said this. If it wasn't him, I'm going to say it. But anyway, you know, you're never going to stumble into faith. That's never going to happen. You're going to have to want it and desire it and go after go and after, listen to people that know what they're talking about about faith. to have it. And then you're going to have to feed your faith constantly to maintain it. I don't know why we think we're going to glide forever. You you might do some things like that for a season when you're an immature person and repent over it and get back in good stead with God, but you're not going to do that the rest of your life. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm not warning you, I'm just telling you, you you've got to stay current. Okay. And so he said, we're, we receive his righteousness, which believe in Jesus. Where is boasting then? This is what I'm trying to get to. It is excluded. I'm not bragging about being saved. I didn't save myself. Right. <laughs> but by what law then? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. So we get saved by operating in the law of faith. It's a law. Yes. Yeah. Faith is a law. Say that. Say it again. Faith is a law. Say it again. Faith 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 is the law, and you can't break it. But if you don't have it, you can't have the things that God provided for us because we're not operating in faith. People ask me, something, how did you get where you got?" Well, what do you mean by that? Are you just looking at my car? What are you talking about when you say that? I just went after God. All I know, and all the other stuff came with it. It was listen to it. It was never my pursuit. It's never, You know, if you're just after a car, go buy one. But you're going to pay for it. Or they're going to repossess it. It's not about things. When I'm talking to you about I'm talking about faith makes you live in the power of God. Even when stuff looks like it's falling apart around you sometimes. I'm really preaching good. Thank you, MZ, and a couple people. By the law of faith. You know, I used to be an apprentice carpenter. Then I went into ministry out of that, three years, and 12 inches is still a foot. Is that right, AMC?
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, some of these people that build all the time, right. unless you're on a metric system, it's still whatever it is, still 12 inches in a foot, I can guarantee it. I don't care if it's metric, spasmodalactic, or whatever it is. Because it's a law. Gravity is a law. Yeah, one time I jumped off my house, not where I'm at today when I was a kid with an umbrella, and that thing folded up on me and I came straight down. <laughs> I know you'd never do something stupid. <laughs> like tell me you confessed something fifty five hundred times and you didn't get it. Well you didn't understand faith then. You've got to say it, but saying is only part of it. You had to have it in your heart. <laughs> and most of those cases are you're just greedy at that point got to take care of all your bills if you listen to him. And you don't get there overnight. Listen to me, you don't. I've been saved this year in December 50 years. Born again by man. (laughs) All right. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified or made righteous by faith without the deeds of the law. What I want you to see is that faith is the law. And faith always works. The law of faith always works when you properly put it to work. You know, if you went on a job and said you were a carpenter and you cut everything 13 inches as a foot, you're going to get fired. (laughs) Especially if it's expensive. When I was an apprentice, they didn't let me cut doors for nice places that we built. They put the journeyman carpenter on it and let me watch him. Now watch this, Michael. You put a little extra because of this or that, or you take a little extra... And he knew the details. (laughs) I would have ruined a $500 door with one whack. And been fired probably, but anyway. See, faith always, I want you to get this in you. I'm talking about a law that you could use. I'm going to talk to you about some of my sicknesses and diseases in a minute that I've had and dealt with. And how this law brought me through every single one of them. It's bringing my family through things right now. It's... Yeah, Yeah. and you have to have some faith of your own. I could use my faith with you, and I plan to pray for you if you're sick today. I'd get up here in a minute, and I'll be glad to pray for you. Not, I'm not. You know, I'm willing to share what I have, but I can't do it all. How many are listening? What did I just say? What? I can't do it all. Where's your faith at when you come up here? Well, I sure hope I get it. You might as well stay seated. Hope is not faith. If you want an apple and I throw you an orange, you think I'm crazy. You want a banana and I throw you a spear of asparagus, you think, What's wrong with this guy? No. You know you have to ask specific for and believe that you receive when you're prayed for or when hands are laid on you. You've got to have a point where you start believing. Point of contact or whatever you want to call it, a designated moment. Like if I'm right here, I'm not right here, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm not over here, I'm not over to the wall. I'm believing for something that's going to happen, but I have to start believing. I have to engage my faith right here at the point of decision and the point of reception. Whether I feel anything or not. I'm trying to help you best I can get out of your heads I, I'm not mad at you but you just live so much in your head and so much is cluttered in there and some of you are so distracted my God I don't know how you drive a car you have just got so many plans and so many thoughts and so many things which shows you're not controlling your thought life very well you'll have to cast those things down and you can't outthink a thought Well, why don't you just pray for us? The devil will never put a thought in my mind. You want me to pray for you to die? Get up here. No, he's, he has the ability to do that, shoot thoughts into you, but you don't have to let it stay there. You've got to speak to it. You've got to cast it. You speak to it. By, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, get out of my mind. That's not my thought. You go from me and speak to the thing. How long do you have to do it? As long as it takes.
1: I don't know why. I don't
0: know why we want to believe the devil. He's a liar anyway. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Thank you, faith always works. The law of faith always works when it's properly put to work. Faith, and I'll say a couple other things here. Faith is not a mystery. No. Yes, that's right. People say, well, I don't know how you figured that out. Because I figured it out because I was hungry. Yeah. I figured it out because I was studious. I figured it out when I didn't feel like praying about it anymore. I, f- I look, went, looked up scriptures in the Bible when I didn't want to at times. I hope so. I'm going to tell you some things I went through. Not everything, just a couple things in a minute. So spiritual laws govern the natural world. Whether you know it or not, that's what's happening. I'd like to jump over here and teach on authority, but let me just say that. Whatever you say will be for you. Whether you say in agreement with God or you say in agreement with your wife or you say in agreement with your grandpa or you say it in agreement with the devil, You can have all his stuff. All i got to do is agree with him. But he will destroy your life and kill your body, wreck your marriage and make you broke. That's his ultimate, that's his goal. Just talking to you here. A law, a law is something enforceable like gravity. I rode in an airplane one time, it was not my airplane, it was a commercial airplane, a DC-10. I mean, that puppy is longer than this building. It seat's about 400 people. It's got five seats in the middle and two on each side and two on the over. It's got double rows, and that thing is so massive. I was in the middle seat, and five, I didn't want to be, but anyway, that's where I ended up. That's back when other people made my arrangements. I don't let that happen anymore. Anyway, unless it's Sean, he knows me. But uh, my point is, that thing was so heavy, I never felt it leave the ground. We were just run down the runway. That thing is so massive. You can imagine, five people and two people on each side. And I was flying to Germany. That's a long flight. But anyway, to Frankfurt. And I didn't know when that thing landed. It was such a smooth ride because it's such a massive airplane. I don't know the weight of that. Somebody can look that up if you're. In. I'm not interested in knowing the weight, but it's a big plane. Yeah. But you, it, it, gravity. You, if you looked at the outside of the airplane, you'd just nod your head and say, "How in the world are they going to get this big puppy off the tarmac?" Yeah. You know what I mean when I say that the tarmac, the concrete, is running on. <laughs> How in the world would this thing get up? But there's two other laws. Gravity's working. There's two other laws, the law of thrust, which is the amount of power you put to the engines. This is pushing air back, and it's pushing you forward in the airplane, and the law of lift. When you get to a certain speed, I don't know the exact speed for every plane, you get to a certain, you know, they can't even land land big planes in small airports because they would run off the runway. It takes too long to slow them down. But my point is, when you hit a certain mileage marker, speed, the law left goes up because those wings make that thing sail. You can't hardly believe they could fly. You could, you could fly. You could try. You could fly barn if you had enough power in it. You fly this building. Put seven jet engines on that end. And say, ready? Here we go! Whoa! <laughs> now the reason I'm saying that, the laws of God, like the law of faith, is something enforceable. If you do that, the law of faith is sure and reliable every time when it's real faith. Yep. And what happens in any airplane, I had a smaller airplane I owned for a while. I, I was, fly on airplanes quite a bit still, but not recently because it's different thing. But if you put enough speed on it, enough thrust, and enough lift, it'll lift that puppy right off the ground. You have laws that supersede. Now, sometimes you have sickness and disease in your body. Sometimes you have mental issues. I know nobody likes to talk about it, but I do. I like to talk about it because there's a way to be sound in your mind. I'm like Joe Ruder. I think I was hooked on everything but phonics, and I went through depression in my life. I know what it's like to be depressed and on medication. You may think I still am, but you don't know me. That was over 50 years ago. Anyway, we can be sound because we have power that overstretches over that gravity that holds you pinned down where you're at. You begin to get in the Bible and find you some scriptures. You don't have to have 50. Be smart if you wanted to, but you could just have two. You could have one and do it if you believed it. And it directly addressed your situation. And you prayed about it and you released your faith. And then after that you say, Father, the power of God's working in me. Yes. If it's a physical thing, the power of God's working on my mind. I have a sound mind. Start finding scriptures like that. Second Timothy 1.7. God's yeah. not given me a spirit of fear. We could say a spirit of depression. Right. Yeah, I went over to Philemon one time. There's a little verse in there. It's just a little short book. I think there's 24 or 5 scriptures in that book, Philemon or Philemon, whatever you say, the book right before Hebrews. And it says, we acknowledge every good thing that is in us. And I did some research on that, and it says that when you do that, that becomes an antidepressant for you. All right, Leman 6, it shouldn't be hard to find. It's just one, one book. It's only 25 verses. Are you listening to me? There's a lot of scriptures that fight against depression. The joy of the Lord is my thing. I think Miss uh, Morgan talked about uh, Pastor Moore coming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Are you still here with me? Yes. All right. Let me, let me talk to you a little further here. You've got to put the right laws together mm-hmm. that to give you... Abundance to take you out of a situation into another situation right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I first came to seminary let me read you a couple of these statements first that I thought you might uh, like here faith is built on the unseen it's not on built on something I can see yeah. faith is your trust in God's ability to do what he says he'll do in his word Faith never says what it feels. It only says what it believes. We don't fight the devil. We just fight the good fight of faith. I don't know if it's this page or not or somewhere else. Let me see if I can find it. Um, mm -hmm. Kenyon, E.W. Kenyon. He went home. I don't know, 1940-something, I think. Control your tongue or it will control you. That's what he said. If you don't control your tongue. You know, some people, I've heard people say, get mad and say, well, I just can't help but cussing and screaming and hollering. Yes, you can. You just, you're, but you're reinforcing the fact that you think because that's what you say all the time and that's what you believe what you're saying all the time, good, bad, or ugly. And that's what you have. So if how you're living you don't like, you need to to listen to yourself talk, or really better ask God to help you to know what you're going to say before you shoot your mouth off. And be big enough man or woman up or man up to it and say, oh, my gosh, I think I've, oh, I see what I've done to myself. I don't know who it was. I think it was Tracy Stumbler over here at camp. I had to talk with her for about five minutes. I said, I blow my ceiling out every, every other day. I never say that's as far as I can go. Right. You just pinned yourself in this room. Right. What I mean, the height of that ceiling. I blow my ceiling out every other day. Yes. And then if I have to believe for something that's three times that high, I just keep that, then I get that, then I blow that out. Right. Not because I'm a hot chat, because the more I do, listen to me carefully. Would you just listen to me like you're really yes. paying attention? Yes. The more I can have in this earth, the more I can do for the body of Christ. Yes. Besides my tithe, I've given several hundreds of thousands of dollars in the last three years. To all to ministries. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. I, I guess you're not interested to do that. But. Well, I don't have it. Well, you don't have it because you say you don't have it. And you've got to learn to start being a better giver than you've been and stretch yourself there. Listen, you're not going to do it by Thursday. Get that out of your head. You're going to be a real whiz in 30 days. You could be a big whiz 30 years from now, but you're just going to have to take it day by day like I've taken it, like Jesus took it, like every human being that's ever been on this planet except Adam. He's the only one that God said, I'm giving you the mother load, baby. Dominion is yours. You run this planet. He's the only one I know that was given to until Jesus came, redeemed us and got the law of saying back for us so now we could say what we need to say to the devil or to God or to the angels if we have scripture for what God's already said and promised
1: us.
0: (laughs) Here it is. uh, Don't talk to God about how big your mountain is. Talk to your mountain about how big God is. All right. Doubt it and do without it. Dr. Summerall says faith has no relationship with idleness. It always acts. That's really good. See, I keep moving. I just keep moving. Not moving away from you. I'm moving up with God. That's my desire. Well, let me ask you, let me put it on this level. I'm not sure you're reading what I'm saying. It's good. <laughs> wish I had a machine that could give me what you're really thinking now. <laughs> but don't you want to know God better? Yeah. I do yep. he's been my best companion yes, sir. Yes,
1: sir. for 50 years
0: right I mean that song where she at uh, uh, there Janet what an what anointing on you Janet yeah, to sing yes. mm-hmm. it just touched me yep. yeah, it's I thought about how blessed I am to have a wife I have my children yeah, right this church it's not my church but you understand I'm a part of this community yeah, here this is home for me, yeah. and so you know. And just all the, and just thinking back on all the things I haven't got to those things yet. I better is it okay? Thank you. Who said that, Anthony? Take my time. Taking my watch off. What does it mean when the preacher takes his watch off? Nothing. If I've been going thirty six, is that timer on me? Okay, thank you. Just checking. I always ask that. I get confused up there sometimes. Yeah, just so many wonderful things to talk about. Let me say a couple of things here. Then I'm going to re- I'm going to share some of the things that that God has brought me through. Just a little. I've just got a little page, and I mean four or five things that could have been serious, and one of them was real serious. But anyway, and I don't even have some things listed that are more serious than all that. Without faith, you're limited. With faith, all things are possible. I'm not wanting faith. I'm going to say this correctly. I'm not wanting faith to impress God. <laughs> I don't think God's too impressed with uh, on an impressive level. But at the same time, I want to please Him. Yeah, right. yeah. I want to. I want to be pleasing to Him. Right. You know, I've never had anybody in the church that ever did something terrible that didn't come tell me about it and say, "I'd like you to forgive me, Doctor Jacobs." You're forgiven. Yes. Go and sin no more. I'm not holding it again. If you'll live right, come to church and do your part and act right and behave, I'm good for that. But if you do this again, I'm going to have to put you out. I know Jordan doesn't talk like that, but I do. And I mean it. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm, I'm trying to show you I want to walk in compassion towards humans and I want to please my Savior. Like Dr. Frank, you said, I will not want to get to heaven. God said, well, Michael, right. what would you bring? Uh, uh, <laughs> hopefully I won't have to go, uh, uh. I'm not trying to earn anything, but trying to be pleasing to him. All right. Faith is a lifestyle, not a single event. Some people have a single event in their life, and that's all they have is just one event. Unless you're just a hermit and don't give a something about anybody, there ought to be things you're currently doing or saying or something that God, you know, you're in faith and God's listening to you. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, just if the people who are here, every family got one person saved next year, that'd be, you know, I don't know, 150 families. 100. I don't know how many is here right now. I'm not the pastor. It's not my job to know that. Anyway, we'd have 150 new people. Some of them have been here for 20 years. They ain't brought anybody. See, your faith is to get people saved too. and Instead of going to somebody and being a little chicken something, something, uh, you... <laughs> No, you're willing if the Lord gives you opportunity. And not everybody's going to be Mr. Rabel here. And I say that commending him. I like him. I like his preaching. I like his mentality. But everybody's not him. But you are a person and somebody's affected by you. Maybe that you work with or you have a relative or a neighbor. I don't know. You figure that out. That's your part. But there ought to be somebody that you're saying something to. About Jesus. You got some kind of lifestyle that looks a little different than the rest of the people. <laughs> Hopefully. Isn't that right? Am I right or not? Yeah, praise God. We don't just come in here to get fat spiritually and then go out and do nothing. You think about this law, how powerful this law is, the law of faith. It caused you to be reborn, recreated in your spirit. Nothing was ever done like that in the universe that I know anything about from the Bible. If God's got another universe like this one somewhere and he did it there, that's fine, but I don't know, it's not in the Bible. But I know, you follow me? He took the darkness out and put the light in. He took death out and put life in. Oh my. He took me out of the kingdom of darkness and put me over here in the kingdom of his dear son. I'm a part of his kingdom and even more than that, I'm a part of his family and you are too. We're sons and daughters. New covenant, new covenant, new covenant. <laughs> you know, people get the weird. I mean, even preachers, they sell, you know, Jewish prayer shawls and stuff. And he's supposed to be a New Testament preacher. I'll let God deal with that later with that person. So let's talk about when I, when I got in the ministry, I came to Louisville to go to seminary. I didn't want to, but God told me to. And I yielded to that. When I met the leader of the Bible school I was going to be a part of, I had an appointment to see him. And when I went in and talked to him for maybe 20 minutes, I came out and I said, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it was in a denominational Bible school. Of course, that's all I knew. But I was radical. Even in that. Yeah. I was praying for the sick in the Baptist church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and the man got up and gave his testimony, and then one of the deacons standing by me said, oh, he shouldn't have said that. What if he dies? Oh. Oh. I wanted to flip him back into the pew behind me. What's the matter with you? But see, I wasn't as vocal as I would be today. Right. Yeah. That's true. Right. When you don't know what you're talking about, you should keep your mouth shut. Yes. <laughs> I hardly knew there was laying on hands. I found one verse, and... Yep. His name was Don. Don and Janine, his wife, he had Hodgkin's disease. He was in our little Bible study group. Right. I went to my pastor and said, you know, I don't have anybody to fellowship with but our parents and they're older. and We love them, but it's not fulfilling. I'm not telling you to feel that way. Just listen to the story. You learn something. And so I pastor, he's a Baptist pastor. He goes, Michael, why don't you and Diana believe for some young people your age? I thought, I never thought of that. But what I did, I went home, me and her, and we prayed. And within three months, we had eight couples come to our church, join, be a part. And, of course, you know, just beginning to meander around, maybe we didn't hit it off with all of them. That's okay. You don't have to hit it off with everybody here, but you need to treat everybody with respect. Yeah. And make sure you don't go with the birds of the wrong way. Because birds of a feather flock together, and then it contaminates others. Okay, I'll get off that. Hang on. So we came to the Bible study one night we were having, and I knew he was taking treatment, and I said, Don, if it's not too personal, you're taking chemotherapy, aren't you? Yeah. How many of you had one? I said, did it make you sick? He looked at me and goes, oh, my gosh, I threw up 53 times. I couldn't believe it. I said, 53 times you threw up? Yes, sir. I said, that don't seem right to me. Right. Now, I'm just a Baptist kid. I hardly know Leviticus from Hebrews at that point. Imagine me not knowing about Hebrews. He oh, right. my. I was really out there. But I knew. I just led to say to him, how about if we lay our hands on you and pray for you? Yeah. Secondly, do you have the dates that you're having the chemo where we the group here would know when to pray? You're going to have that pumped into you? Yes, sir, I'll get you a copy. And we prayed for him, laid hands on him. He never got sick again. His whole treatment, treatments. And then, not only that, he went into what the medical world calls remission. And I don't know if it's the same. You know, I would call somebody healed. But nonetheless, I'm not arguing with anybody. He he was declared healed. (laughs) And he got up in church and gave that because he was moving away again. Him and his wife, the pastor, let him share. And he shared that openly in a... Baptist church <laughs> yeah. I wish they'd have known to pray for other but not me maybe he could have prayed for them, asked the pastor but you know we didn't know stuff like that and we were we were handcuffed back then yes. not blaming all the Baptists for that I'm just talking straight you know when you're limited because you don't understand faith yet you don't understand certain ramifications you, you don't do that you don't cast out devils <laughs> unless you believe it And you're willing to take the persecution and make fun of me stuff that I've had to take. Anyway, so where was I at? I came to seminary. I knew that was the right place to go. And immediately I started getting mouth sores. I never had a mouth sore in my life. Maybe got punched in the mouth one time, had one, but that's about it. And I went to a doctor and he looked in there. I had these big, what do you call them, Uh, not abscesses, but... Canker sores, like indentations on my tongue and in my lips on the inside. And doctor says, man, you've you got something serious here. I'm going to take some blood. I said, fine, take whatever you need. He took it. He's checking me for all kinds of stuff I won't mention, but, which I was not a part of that. <laughs> but anyway, he's just being a good doctor. And I came back and said, I can't find any reason for that and what kind of virus it is. But you, And it, they would all leave for a day or two, and then they'd start coming back with all their cousins. And it got so bad that I cried eating ice cream. Now I wonder why the devil would attack a man that is a preacher, not a mechanic, not a bookkeeper, not a running restaurant keeper. <laughs> yeah, he attacked me. And it took me a while. And he gave me different medicines to try to use. And one day I went in there in the mirror and looked, opened my mouth and... I had this medicine, and the Lord said, it's time you get off that, throw it in the trash, and don't pick it up again. I threw it in the trash can, and that's it. I was healed. Now, the only time I ever have any problems like that, even today, would be if I push my body way too far. Okay. So that was my first thing of realizing, that's unusual. I, you know, I was 26 years old, never had a mouth sore in my life. Now they're gone, too. Then I got a pain in my side. I forget what year it was, but it stayed for 14 years. Felt like I had a javelin through my right in this part of my body, coming out my backside. It's about that big around. It felt like somebody stabbed me with something. It was so painful. And so naturally, you know, if you hurt it long enough and bad enough, you'll go to a doctor. You want to tough it out? Go ahead. But I don't give you any credit for toughing it out if you don't have to. Hey, I'm a real person. If I'm in pain and the doctor gives me something to kick my you-know-what, I'll take what will kick my you-know-what so I can get some rest. Yes, sir. Now, some people don't want to do that. Do what you want to do. Anyway, I went to the doctor. I went to Methodist Hospital. Oh, my goodness. They gave me one of those robes with no back in it. Then they take, told me to take the robe off and get up on this table. Yeah, you'd like to know all this? I think you you, you know I, I want you to know I understand pain, I understand doctors, I understand sickness, but the not the doctors, but all the sickness and disease comes from the evil one. Even the doctors know that, isn't that right, sir? Yeah. And the nurses. They know that. That's not right. So they pump stuff up my backside, they look scope me up through there, nothing's wrong there. Okay. So then I go someplace else. They make me drink stuff and then get in another machine. They check the top part of me, see if there's anything there that's obstruction or causing that pain to be like that. Still couldn't find it. I went to City of Faith when Oral was still around. And when I called them up and told them who I was, they said, uh, Mr. Jacobs or Pastor Jacobs, whatever they called me, uh, they said, if you can get here, we'll treat you for nothing. Treat me for nothing. Yeah, I didn't have the money to fly there. Two of my friends gave me money, found out I was trying to get to there, thinking they, and I went in there, and they did all this stuff on me too. All the different elaborate tests, and I was still none the better. Although I do appreciate them, because when I went to the pharmacy, the pharmacy said, this is your medication, Michael. And he put his hands on my hands and prayed over it. Every doctor I saw prayed over me. Every nurse I saw prayed over me, and prayed in tongues. woo I would, I would to God that hospital to stayed open. But anyway, still, I'm still not any better. I started this church with that pain. And had it, I started in 85, I had that pain till 90-something, I don't remember the year I was delivered, but 14 years later, uh, I think the pain started in 83 or 84, and it was there for 14 years. And I was having lunch with Dr. Dufresne. Now, I want to tell you, see, you've got to understand this. And I'm having lunch with him. We're not talking about sickness or disease or anything. And he had a, he had a Thursday night service. He always did to call a double-up offering or a project offering. And I was with him, and I brought money, you know, to give an offering. And it was Thursday night. I was out. I was tapped out. <laughs> and so uh, I wanted to give the special project, don't matter what it was right now. And the Lord said, well, you have faith, don't you? He said, just about like that. Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, write him an IOU and put it on an envelope and sign your name when you get it, send it to him. Right. Well, you know God's smart. Yes. Not only did he have me write it out and put my name on it, he, he gave me the money right. later down the road. Okay. And I was with Dr. Dufresne at a restaurant. It was, uh, <laughs> I don't remember the name of that restaurant. It's for sale now. It's just a vacant building over by the mall. Oh, Charlie's, that's right. And I had, an, I had that envelope with the money, it's $1,000. I said, I'm sure you don't know anything about this. You don't, you don't check your own offerings. This is a commitment I made to you last year Good. to be a part of your project. And I told him what it was. And, bless his heart. He, I could see from his facial he wanted to hand it back to me because yeah. I was really poor back then. Right. You may not thought that, but we were, right. Diane and I. Larry Limited, financially. And to have a thousand dollars is a lot. Right. Now, since then, we've done a lot better. But anyway, yeah. see, so you grow if you're sincere, and you'll take what you have and do that. Then God will be- beef you up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gave several ten thousand dollar checks in the last few years, and many, many fives. And what? Well, anyway, let me get back to the story. So I can tell you wanted to give it back, and of course, I wasn't going to take it. And. Suddenly he laid his fork down fire shot out of his eyes. He said, you're coming out of that pain, Michael, and God's going to pay off that credit card thing too. I had $20,000 on credit card because I didn't have insurance and I wouldn't lie to the insurance people. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm not looking for a deal and lie about it to get a deal. What kind of people think like that? Hopefully nobody here. That will jeopardize your future unless you make that right. So anyway, so when I got to all the tests and stuff stuck up me and down me and checked me, I had used credit card, didn't have the money. Didn't have the money to write a check. And, you know, within two weeks, six weeks, rather, God, and we didn't ask this church for any offering, no special offering from here. They didn't put out a memo letter. We're going under if you don't give. That's craziness. We don't do stuff like that. That's, that's, That's unethical, immoral. And terribly wrong. Yes, yes, yes. People do anything for money, just about. Right. Yeah, thank you, Les. You're right. I'm right. But anyway, he said that pain will leave you. It was about 10 more months. And I got up one morning and that thing went whoop. Didn't make that sound boop, but I'm just using that as illustration. I got up and went boop and just run away. Yeah. Good. And it's never been back. It tried to yeah. once or twice. I rebuked it. No, I'm free of that. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. Get your stuff and get up out. And then, within six weeks, all that money came. My wife, when she was here, she'd validate that. I think it was six weeks or eight weeks. It just came from unknown resources. Just people started sending us money, and we paid that twenty thousand dollars off. Yes.
1: Yes. And I got healed.
0: <laughs> you're still here, aren't you and then I, then I was with a a uh, what was called an internist doctor for a while. And this pain in my side, remember that? And uh, anyway, he gave me some medicine and I took it home. I took it for a couple of days. I said, I, doctor, I can't take that. What do you mean you can't take it? I said, hey, I was a drug addict for three years. I'm not gonna go back to that. This would be pharmaceutical addiction, but I'm giving it back to you. I, don't, I, I know you tried and it just took the little edge off, but it didn't help as much as what you thought it would. I appreciate your effort but I'm not going to become a pharmaceutical addict. So there you go. So, hallelujah. And then this same doctor later on in my life, I think it was 2002 or three, he called me at home. He never calls at home. And he said, Michael, I got a problem with something. I said, what's that, doc? He said, your blood is all messed up. And I said, well, you can shoot straight with me. He said, well, I really don't know what it is, but it's serious. And I need you to come right back in here tomorrow and give me some blood. Let me send it off to double-check, triple-check, whatever, because you got a problem. And I said, well, I, I'm going to Alabama tomorrow. Sir, doctor, I'll come in next Monday. I'm coming to play, a plane back. Or next Tuesday, put your receptionist on. I'll make an appointment right now. Or you could for me, whatever you want. I'll give you all the blood you want. Now, I've got a problem with my blood, and I'm a next drug addict who was already told back in the day that I had hepatitis C, because I was having surgery for something else and the doctors came in and said what kind of treatment do you take for your hep C and I said are you telling me I have it or I had it we're telling you you had it but are your, your enzymes in your liver and other stuff we took before we do the surgery it shows that thing stopped abruptly what would you do I said I got saved <laughs> you got what I got born again I gave Jesus my heart in December this is May the next year well, we don't know nothing about that but we know you had it and it's gone now <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I went to this meeting in Alabama. I'm talking about the blood thing. This was after that event first happened back when I had surgery. I know that was way back when I was at the cement plant. Yeah, I worked at a cement plant too. <laughs> Spit tobacco naughty. <nod>. I've been around a little bit, a couple county fairs in the hay Used to be a tree trimmer and all that stuff. I was a ruffian, too. But anyway, I wasn't right, i tell you that. But anyway, I'm going to see Dr. Dufresne, and I haven't called him. I have his cell phone. I could have called and said, Doctor, I'm coming to your meeting. Or sir, or I called him Doctor. I never called him Ed. That's disrespectful. I said, Doctor, I'm coming to you. I could have done that, but I didn't. I said, well, I'm going to see him tomorrow night at the meeting. Even if I don't get to see him personally, I could asked one of the ushers, hey, give this note to Dr. Dufresne for me, would you? Because I didn't know if we got invited back to eat or we would even have a chance to see him. My my point was, I was going to say, please lay your hands on me. I got a blood problem. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to say anything. I'm in the back. I mean, the preachers were a whole section almost this long where I was 10 rows back. And he got up to preach. I think I just told this at camp recently, but I'll tell it again. It's meaningful. He started to preach, and he kind of stumbled around, and he just fell into a trance. He didn't fall down, but he went. And I don't know how long he stayed like that. I'd say 30 seconds. And he went, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? Back here, sir. Stand out in that aisle. The Lord shows me you have something wrong with your body. Is that right? Yes, sir. And then he chuckled. He said, I know you believe in angels. He's got one right behind you. He's, going, he's been sent to take care of that. About that time that angel hit me in the head and down I went. I went back to the doctor next week, took several vials of blood, called me in 10 days and said, I don't know what you did, but everything's perfect. (laughs) See, I'm talking about sickness and every one of these things. I'm standing on the law of faith. (laughs) Even if for some reason I couldn't have got to Dr. Dufresne and didn't want to interfere with his meeting there by calling and talking to him about stuff. And even though I had his number, I wasn't quick to call him. Very seldom. Very seldom. Because he's a busy man and I'm re- regarding that. I had my faith on it that I was going to make it and I'm be all right. And Joe, he had that way back and he recontacted it, you know, 30 years later, 20 years, whatever it was. And, of course, we, the Lord helped him get healed of that. But that's what went through my mind. You know, I've heard red stuff that this stuff can come back, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The devil always thinks he's pulling one, but we pull a couple on him. Oh, I'm just about done. I'm 58 minutes. I, uh, I travel a lot, you know, um, internationally, I guess you'd call it. I've been on about 110 mission trips as far as I can count. It may be a few more, maybe a few less, but roughly about that. In 17 or 18 countries, I don't know. But I, I came home from somewhere, and I'd been home. Wow, and all of a sudden I got up one day and I had a headache. And um, I used to get headaches quite often. I took authority over it and it got worse. I took authority over it again, it got worse. And by the next day, I was just about immobile. I mean, I, I couldn't even think. I mean, I've had one other migraine that didn't compare to that one. And it just made me sick of my stomach. Anybody have a migraine like that ever? Yeah. And this thing just wiped me out. And I said to Diana, honey, you're going to have to take me to the hospital or something. I I don't know. I understand. My head is just pounding. I feel like it's just going to explode if I don't get some help. So I went down. I think it was downtown. I don't know what hospital it was in. And uh, they admitted me. And... um, I thank my regular doctor that was still working with me then, the internist, called a neurosurgeon. Is that the head people? Neuro people. And she came in the next morning, and I was wide awake. And she said, oh, my gosh, you're in trouble, aren't you? I said, I don't know what I am, but I can't sleep, and I can't hardly think. And she said, lay right there. I'm coming back to do a spinal tap on you in the bed in five minutes. I'd heard horror stories about spinal taps. I, I, you know, she... I was so much in pain in my head, I never felt the needle go in my spine. You know, they go in your spine with that, and they drain some of the fluid out and send it to the lab. And she came back later and said, you have a virus, and we have no cure for it. I don't even know where you got it. But that's what the problem is. <laughs> so, so what are we going to do? She said, well, I'm going to give you some medication, and it's going to put you down. You understand me? I said, yeah, I understand. I can't function like this, though. I I hate light. I mean, I can't stand light and noise. It bothers me. And so I came home and locked myself in Jordan's bedroom for two weeks and nailed a big old um, blanket over the window so it would be pitch dark in there and took this medication. And I don't remember those two weeks. Wow. I don't remember using the bathroom. I don't remember eating a meal. Yeah. I don't remember talking to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it just put me down. And Dr. Dufresne, you know, hallelujah. Yeah, Dr. Dufresne was praying and everything, and I, I got healed. And I know many of you were praying for me in the prayer group back here. I know that too back in that day. And then I said to the Lord, Lord, I want two weeks put on my, what well, we talked about how long I was going to be before I went home, I want two more weeks because the devil took those two weeks away from. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Let's go over to Psalm 103 a minute. I just wanted to share a little bit, and that's just a few, but to let you know that we understand some things. Psalm 103, please. We, we've done pretty good. We did take an hour, so I think... It, And we're talking to you about this law of faith. Uh, Let's start in verse 1, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, I was reading that one day. I'll just read this passage probably and I'll pray for you if you'd like. Uh, That it said, and all that is within me. And I started meditating on it. You know, I just didn't read it and just went on. I read it and I thought, well, lungs? Bless the Lord. Liver, bless the Lord. Heart, bless the Lord. Spine, bless the Lord. All that is within me. My eyes, my ears, my brain. And I started saying things like that and made it a prayer, prayer thing. And bless the Lord, O oh my soul, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. And then he gives a list of some of them here. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, all your sins. He's forgiven us of all of them. Not some of them, not most of them, all of them. Uh, a friend of mine said the most thing that endangers faith is condemnation. Wow. Wow. So I'm just talking to everybody here. I don't. You may have done something terrible last night. I don't know anything about. Maybe you didn't. But you need to ask God to forgive you and get that out of the way before you come up here and let me minister to you. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing can stand between you and the Lord if you're willing to make concessions and say, Father, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have saw that. I shouldn't have read that. I shouldn't have been with somebody, whatever it might be. I shouldn't have drank that alcohol. I shouldn't have shot that dope. I shouldn't have snorted that or whatever. Right. And let him remove that. You know, James says that too. Is any sick among you, let him call them the elders and pray the prayer of faith and say our faith shall so heal the sick and raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Didn't, didn't limit the sin. Says whatever, you, if you'll tell God you're sorry. He'll remove that and heal you. Verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Tender mercies. Man, his mercies are tender. Who satisfies thy mouth. That's a scripture I got later from my mouth, way later. I didn't know it was in the Bible back when I had those mouth sores. But who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. I was reading a special. I was reading out of one of my special books. I think it was out of Psalms or some. I, I don't know a book on Psalms, and it said the eagle should live about a hundred years old or more. They get to a certain age, they go up into a rock and they beat their bill off against the rocks, and they grow a new one, and they grow new claws, and they get new feathers. Yeah, you ought to you ought to check that out. And this says when we talk right. We're going to be renewed just like the eagles. And think about that 100 year market I'm telling you about. <laughs> really you should live to be 120. I mean let me say it different. We could live to 120 if we do everything we need to do. It's not a matter of keeping this and don't do But it is a matter of walking with God. And he will speak to you about your life. If you ask him he'll talk to you about it. What's wrong with me? Well Michael this is the main thing right here. I want you to get that straight okay I'm sorry I mean one time he dealt with me about something that was so important I was to lay hands on people and I drew back from it three times in about a year and a half and last time he talked to me he was well let me just say he was hot mad right then with me he said I told you I've had to deal with this is the third time I've dealt with you about your hands I've told you the healing powers in your hands get your hands on people now you you drew back from that twice. Now the third time, and this is not going to work if you do me this way. And I didn't know I defended him that severely. And I said, "Yes, sir," and I started crying. I said, "I won't do that anymore." So I hope I'm making sense to you. I'm talking about things that really make a difference. <laughs> so God is a God who heals all our diseases. Or you could have maybe more than one disease. He'll heal them all if you you need it. Okay.
1: Thank you so
0: much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.